Hi, this is Joel Knox from the Vineyard Church of Brenham. I want to thank you for dropping by and listening to our podcast. You know, it's a free podcast, and it always will be. But if you'd like to help us out, you can go to our website, vineyardbrenham.org, and click on our donations page. We'd appreciate it very much. So thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. the hearts of palm if you'd like to try it i'm going to pass the plate around there's some that have pretzels those are the ones that are going to be a little bit more salty the rest are just too fixed so can y'all pass that around What do you think about it? First of all, if you okay, where the plate's going around, and I, I should have had more than one, but that's what I get for waiting till Sunday morning to put everything together. So, uh, okay, so oh, I'm sure she does. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in case in case you've not had the heart of palm, it's it's coming around. It's on a plate, and uh, I, I hope you'll try it. That doesn't mean you'll like it. Go ahead and keep playing the music. That's fine. That's fine because that'll that'll kind of kind of help help us help us get along. But um, but we're actually talking about the heart of a palm tree. Okay. Now it's not native to South Texas. Central Texas, especially, um, it's more native to like Florida, California. You know the more tropical climates. So you've got the the hard outer bark of the palm tree, but like on most trees, as you get toward the center, now it like a hardwood, it doesn't get soft as you go toward the center. But a palm tree actually gets soft, and so I'll be talking about the 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 heart of the palm this morning. Just so you know, they're they're low in fiber, or excuse me, they're high in fiber, low in fat. That's that's maybe for those of you that have issues with cholesterol like I do. You know, this is something that, that you could try. Um, they come from the palmetto, which is the state tree of Florida. They are the tall, graceful trees that epitomize what most people think about whenever going to the beach. As far as landscaping is concerned, something that Scott can tell us a little bit about, planting palm trees is often a costly improvement. They're not cheap. Now when you look at these trees, you probably don't consider it to be a source of food unless it happens to be one of those that bear pineapples or coconuts because, you know, that's they also bear fruit. But back during the Great Depression, when food supplies began to get scarce, the native Floridians discovered that the heart of palm was a cheap delicacy. Now, if you've had it already, how many, how many have already had something off the plate? Okay. What, what was 
Did anybody care to tell us what the your first impression was? Yuck. Okay. Anybody else? What? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it, there wasn't very many. I started out with trying to put the, the pretzels in there, but the pretzels kept breaking off. And it, but if you add just a little bit of salt, they're really good. Well, I, I mean, you probably would want something else, but, uh, okay, y'all, y'all can, y'all can kill the music. Thank you guys. But the thing about the heart of palm was that you cut down a tree, you could literally feed hundreds of people. I mean, if you think about it, cut the tree open and start carving out the, the pieces, you could, you could feed a whole family. It earned the name swamp cabbage because it was most often enjoyed by the people who were, who were poor and that was all they could afford. You know, they see a, a palm tree, go whack it down, start cutting it up in pieces and you can feed a family. But by the 1940s, as the Depression gave way to World War II, everyone had at least tried the heart of palm, and it gained respect as a food source and became known as millionaire salad. Imagine that. Now, you might be wondering, okay, what does this have to do with anything to do with a church service? Well, I told you earlier it was Palm Sunday, and... We saw the kids, and some of you had got the palms and were waving those around. Palm Sunday is the beginning of what we know as Holy Week. Holy Week is one of the most important weeks of the church. Because we remember Jesus' crucifixion, His death on the cross, as well as His burial and resurrection from the dead. In the New Testament, the Gospel writers Matthew, Mark, and Luke devoted about one-third of their entire gospel account of Jesus' life to what happened during Holy Week. The Apostle John actually devoted half of his gospel to tell us what happened during that week. Holy Week is a week to remember and reflect on the life of Jesus. We remember that he was fully God and fully man. He was a man who endured unspeakable cruelty and pain on the cross and on Good Friday and then and was resurrected from the dead on Easter Sunday morning proving that he really was the Son of God. The truth is we often think of Good Friday and Easter but we really don't think too much about Palm Sunday. In Jewish culture, the palm tree bore tremendous significance and was used in all their architecture, most notably in the temple. One of the first places God took the Israelites in the exodus out of Egypt was to a place called Elam, a place with 12 springs and 70 palm trees. Remember that in the Old Testament? The palm typified grace and elegance and righteousness. And it was also a symbol of victory and rejoicing. And it's still the national symbol for Palestine. Now, if you can imagine, on the Sunday before Passover, in AD 30, 
Jerusalem, the normal population of 50,000, had tripled in size because of the influx of pilgrims who were coming in to celebrate Passover. Now, just under the surface, there was a conspiracy. Jesus had been rumored to have raised a person from the dead just a few days before. The word was spreading. People had seen the miracles that where He had, had taken five loaves and two fishes and turned it into a meal for thousands. They had seen the other miracles that He had done that, were, that showed that at least, he, if nothing else, He was a healer. People had experienced His prophecy in one-on-one encounters and how, how He showed that, that He actually had the mind of God and actually could see into a person's life and call out the things that God had placed there. But this business of raising people from the dead really got people's attention. If you know the story, and John tells the, the story of how Lazarus died and had been dead for four days. And Jesus comes and calls him out, and they unwrap him, and, and he's, he's alive. John even tells how Lazarus was interacting with people in the community. He's walking around. This guy was dead four days before, and he's alive, and he's, he's talking and, and telling everybody about what had happened to him. You know, pretty amazing stuff. And so the Jews saw this and it's like, okay, we've got to do something about this. He's, he's going to mess around. He's going to make somebody mad in Rome. And they're going to send an army down here and they're going to destroy us. And, and it's all going to be because this guy is trying to, to start some kind of an uprising. And he's got the kind of power to do things that could really get us in a lot of trouble. So, this conspiracy is going on as soon as we can get Jesus by Himself, because you know, he, he did travel with 12 companions, the disciples. If we can get Jesus by Himself, we'll kidnap Him and we'll take Him away and kill Him. And they were even talking about doing this about Judas, or excuse me, Lazarus. How, where did Judas come from? They were talking about killing Lazarus as part of this whole conspiracy. So, Everybody that was involved with, with the Jewish hierarchy, on the day of, of the Palms, on this day before the, before the Passover, they're looking around and they're waiting to see if Jesus is, is going to show up. Will He make an appearance here? And if He does, we've got we to gotta strike quick. Because if he, if he gets an army around him, you know, we'll have no chance. But Jesus, we know the story. His reason for coming to Jerusalem wasn't for an uprising. His reason for coming to Jerusalem wasn't, wasn't to set off some kind of, of religious coup. He was actually coming to complete the purpose for which He was born, which was to die for the sins of humanity. Everything Jesus taught, every miracle, every tender act of kindness had shown, 
had shown and found its ultimate meaning in this, his final week on earth, here he established the basis for a new humanity, a new righteousness that identified his people and released the power to live the good life of the kingdom of God that would come through his death and resurrection. So this morning I'd like to submit to you that Jesus is the heart of the palm. Go with me on this. In Psalm 92, one of my favorite psalms, it says in verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. On this first Palm Sunday, a crowd of people flocked to Jesus and He and His disciples left Jericho. The crowd buzzed about Lazarus being raised from the dead and from the other miracles that Jesus had performed. The sick and the lame had gravitated to Him along with women and children. And this was amid shouts of praise. And the Jewish leaders were there too, just outside the reach of the crowd, scowling and showing their contempt for this grand show. And on the way out of town, Matthew recorded that two blind men sat on the side of the road begging. And they cried out to Jesus, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, if you can imagine, these, these guys, they're, you know, you, know, you see, the, see people that, like when you go into town, like maybe into Houston, you see the people that are holding up the signs and go work for food, you know, hungry, give me something to eat. You know, it, you don't want to make eye contact with them, right? Be honest. Well, these guys were pretty much the same way. They're along the side of the road and they're calling, alms for the poor. Will you, will you have mercy on us? Well, somehow they had heard that Jesus was coming. And so they began to say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on us. And these, the, the crowd's going along. and Why don't you shut up? Be quiet. He doesn't want to talk to you. And then they're just continuing on with the procession, just like, Jesus. And then they just start crying out louder. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on us. They can't ignore Him anymore. And Matthew tells us that Jesus turned to them and asked, what would you like for me to do for you? And he said, they said, Jesus, we want to see. Of course, we know the rest of the story. Jesus had compassion. And he healed them right in that moment. And I can imagine that once they were healed, they just gathered up their things and they joined in the procession. And you've you got to understand this procession, it wasn't necessarily you know, the best of society either. And why they were treating these guys with contempt in the first place is, is unbeknownst to me, but that, that's kind of human nature. But these guys joined right into the parade. Jesus saw them and He valued them for who they were. He healed them. Because the heart of the palm is tender. Jesus' heart is tender toward us. He hears the cries of our hearts. He hears the cries of the least, the lost, and the lonely. He heals our sicknesses. He breaks the power of addictions and sets us free from our oppressors. Matthew 12 says that Jesus, that, that a large crowd followed Jesus and He healed everyone who was sick. 
He healed everyone. Why was he so concerned about those who were sick? Because he had compassion on them. He loved them. Matthew said this was a direct fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 42, where the prophet said, Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not stuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice, and he will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on the earth. This is so true of who Jesus is. In our world, we, we don't have time for those things that are, that, are, that are weak or that are frail. You know? It's, it, it takes too much time to, to have compassion. But Jesus takes the time. And when we eat of the heart of palm, we eat of the gentleness and tenderness of Jesus, who said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How many of you could use some rest this morning? A lot of the reason that we're, we're so tired is we're pushing ourselves so much. And Jesus is just gently reminding us, don't push yourself so hard. Find rest. Find peace. Find joy. In me. Jesus offers rest to us as we learn from Him in the Jesus way. Now, moving into our text this morning, Matthew chapter 4, is it verse 4? Chapter 4? That's what I get for... Oh, it is Matthew chapter 4. Okay. I put it up here and I didn't put it here. So, go figure. Matthew chapter 4. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he, will, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken to through the prophet. Say to your daughter Zion, see your king comes to you riding on a donkey, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, you've got to understand the people of Jerusalem were ready to pronounce Jesus as king. Now, how would a king ride into a city like Jerusalem? Can you, I mean, you can imagine. Maybe on a white horse, right? Or maybe surrounded by a, a, a large horde of armies. You know, armed to the teeth. You know, after all, this is the procession of the king. We've got to protect him from the crazy people, Right? Or maybe he was riding on one of those carts that, that the men carry up on their shoulders. You know, and the king just kind of looks out through the, through the curtain on the side. Just waves. You know? I mean, 
it might have been that way. Jesus specifically chose to ride in on a donkey. All my life I've wanted a donkey. When I was in, in elementary school, my dad, and it's funny to hear my dad tell the story, he said, uh, yeah, a friend of mine gave me a Shetland pony. Well, he was telling that story at the barbershop one time, and, and uh, one of the guys at the barbershop said, uh, friend, no friend of yours would give you a Shetland pony. And I, I rode this horse, and I, I, I got to tell you, he, he, he took every opportunity to bite me. But I, as I understood, at least as a kid, donkeys wouldn't treat you that way. So, you know, I always wanted a donkey. Now, whether that's the case or not, don't, don't burst my bubble. But if you can imagine, Jesus specifically chose to ride in on a donkey because He didn't want to cast this vision of a king, at least the vision that everyone expected of an earthly king. This was the way that Solomon came into Jerusalem whenever he was pronounced king after David. Jesus in His deliberate humility demonstrated that the heart of the palm is surrounded by grace. Some people just embody what grace looks like. You know? In my, in my day, in, in, when I was in high school, Ozzie Smith was the class of, of shortstops in baseball. That guy could do more with a baseball, fielding the ball, turning a double play, than anybody, I'd, anybody had really ever seen before. He was amazing. And we can go on down the list of the, of the athletes that we look up to, and like they just made things look easy. You know, it was the grace in how they did it. And of course, then we can, we can talk about maybe actors or actresses back in the golden era that really just looked classy. You know? Humphrey Bogart. I, 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 say what you want about the guy as an actor, but it, it just, he just looked classy. You know, decked out in, his, in, a, in a suit. You know, just classy. Jesus' words and actions, His whole life, flowed out of the Father and everything He did was encompassed in grace. The people of His day had never seen anything like Him before. John chapter 1 verse 16 says, Out of His fullness we have received grace in place, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus. You see, in, in law, people saw the judgment of God. But in Jesus, they saw grace. And they saw this other side of God that they had not seen before. That God was merciful and kind. And Jesus came to show us this is what God is like. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is what God is like. 
Now moving ahead, in verse 6, Scripture says the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. That's just what disciples do. They go and do what Jesus instructs them to do. And they brought the donkey, verse 7, and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread out their cloaks on the ground, on the road, while the others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road as well. This is the scene pretty much of our, like our rolling out the red carpet. Historically, common ordinary people laid down their cloaks, laid down their, their, their pieces of clothing, along with palm branches and flowers as an act of submission and recognition of authority of this coming king. Men and women lined the streets of Jerusalem in order to catch a glimpse of Jesus and express their devotion to Him as He passed by. And as I mentioned before, the palm branch is the national emblem of Palestine. It was quite common for people to wave palm branches as a part of their celebration of victory. In a sense, the palm branches were like national flags that were waving to celebrate the arrival of the rightful king. The people both waved them and laid them down to cover the street as Jesus passed by. And then verse 9, the crowds that went ahead of Him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered Jerusalem that day as the promised one of God, the Messiah. The people responded by crying out, Hosanna, which literally means, Save us with all your power. Jesus was hailed as the true Son of David, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the literal fulfillment of prophecy. But to the Romans, this was, this was comedy. These people are calling this man their king, and he's coming in on a donkey. How ridiculous is that? And I can imagine they're standing around, maybe they're up on horses, maybe they're just at their posts and they're just looking and like, look at this. This guy's supposed to be a king? And this ragtag group of people just following him around. You know, and, and I, I can imagine there's people, they may have bandages on their head and, you know, and they, they might be walking on a crutch or, you know, have, have bandages on their body. And, you know, little kids, they're, they're still waving their, their palm branches and, you know, and, and women carrying babies. That doesn't really look like a political movement, if you ask me. If you ask the Romans, that, yeah, this is ridiculous. And for the Romans, you've got to understand, the way that they, that they entered into, into town... They came in with a garrison of, of soldiers first, armed to the teeth, shield, spear, sword on their side, armor on their legs, the, the helmet on their head, with their banner raised high in the center of their garrison, horses going along the side, 
And then the people that they had conquered coming in behind in shackles and on crutches and bandages and looking like they had just been defeated because they wanted those that they, that they approached to know that we are the ultimate power. We are in control. And when we take over the city, it is ours. And you're going to be at the end of the line. On this Palm Sunday, the adoring crowd was a ragtag procession for the King of Kings. The lame, the blind, children, peasants were all part of Jesus' inheritance as King. Rome was not impressed by this play because this kingdom was not built on the foundations of violence and power. Jesus ushered in a kingdom that defended the weakest, that championed the rights of the most disenfranchised and valued the poor and stood in direct opposition to the kingdoms and the authorities of this world. The heart of the palm is the inheritance of the poor. Jesus explained it like this. In Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now in a few weeks, we're going to be getting into the, the part of the Sermon on the Mount that we often call the Beatitudes. Oftentimes we teach the Beatitudes as if these are our characteristics, attitudes that we're to put on. That somehow we're to be poor in spirit. And, and there are those who are poor in spirit. There are those that have, that have been beaten down and, and have been bruised and hurt by this world. But oftentimes, we may not necessarily be poor in spirit. We've, we've experienced the blessings of God. Jesus didn't say these are attitudes I want you to embody as if they were somehow that we could put these on ourselves. That we can somehow make ourselves poor or pure in heart. It doesn't leave room for God's grace to work in us. Rather, what Jesus was saying, these are dispositions that God values. This is what my kingdom affirms. God values the poor. God values the poor in spirit. Those who desire peace as well as those who mourn and who are meek. This kingdom that is coming has been established in peace, love, mercy, and grace. And it will one day bridge the divide between God and man. It was confirmed through the death and burial of, uh, and resurrection of Jesus and will eventually take over the world. That kingdom we need to be looking for. So this morning, we need to say again, let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And on that, that first Palm Sunday, the only thing that was wrong, they didn't realize that there was one more step that Jesus had. They were ready to receive Him as King right then. And if, if it had been possible, they would have. And they would have been welcomed into, into that kingdom right then and there. But that wasn't God's plan. 
God's plan was for Jesus to die on the cross and then be resurrected. And then once He was resurrected, these people find their inheritance in that kingdom that was coming. So as we move into, into this week, we can move in with this expectation. Lord, we know that You've come. You will come again. We anticipate Your rule and reign coming to this earth. We anticipate You coming and making all things right. And so as we move into Good Friday, when we, when we remember the Lord's death, we can mourn and, and remember the sadness because this was sadness. Jesus was unrightfully murdered. But it was His death that paid for all our sin. And then whenever He went into the, the tomb and was there for three days and was resurrected, it proved that He had power over death, hell, and the grave. And that, that He was the true Messiah, the real King of kings, who had the authority to take the entire world and give it over to God as His inheritance. So this morning as we enter into this season, I, I, I want us to, to enter with that expectation that we're looking forward to the kingdom that's coming. We're looking forward to the kingdom that is already here among us. But today we remember the heart of the palm. We remember the fact that Jesus came and presented Himself to us. Can we stand? I love this, this season of the year probably more than any other time of the year. Because, you know, people can, can say what they want to about Christmas. You know, it was just a, a date that they put on the calendar. We really don't know whether that was when Jesus was born or not. And it really doesn't concern me because the fact that we celebrate His birth, that's awesome. And, you know, if I, I, would, if, if I could get away with it, I would celebrate my birthday like every other week. You know, it, it's... It, it's because birthdays are fun. But Easter and, and Holy Week, it, it's such a special time. Because if none of this stuff happened, then the reason that we're here, it, it just ceased to exist. And, and if anything, I, I want us to, to come out of this season this year believing more than ever that Jesus did live and He did die. But he also was resurrected. And when he went away, he said he would come back. And we're anticipating his return. Every Easter that we celebrate, we are getting closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and you're in a place where like, oh, me and God, you know. I want you to take this opportunity to draw near to God. Because the scripture tells us, if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. That means just take one step out and he meets you there. Okay? So if you're here this morning and you, you feel, man, I, I, I've, you don't know what I've done, you don't know where I've been, that's okay. I, don't, I may not know, but He does, and He's ready for you to come back. And if you're here and you, you need some healing in your body, you need, who knows? We're here 
to pray with you. And we're here to believe with you and allow the Holy Spirit to come and minister to you right here today. So I'm going to say a prayer of dismissal. And then I'm just going to open the front. If you're on the ministry team this morning, we're going to need your help up here. But we just want to be here for you and and just allow you to to enter into God's presence, okay? Father, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for bringing us here together. We thank you for Palm Sunday as well as Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter, Lord. We celebrate these because we know that it's all true. It's all real. It's, it's all part of our inheritance in you. And so, Lord, I ask as we go this week that you would remind us of your love for us, that you'd remind us of your desire for us, and how much you love us, and how much you want us to enter in to your joy and enter into your, to, to the, the fullness of your plan. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your hand would be on us this week, that we would experience your presence. Lord, that you would would move in our lives and, and touch us in any number of ways. We give you praise. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen.